Welcome to Staying in the Black, a show about teachers and money. I'm Miss Black, a New York City educator, single mom, and personal finance translator. Join me as I build my runway to retirement. Each week, we'll share actionable steps, resources, and inspiration that educators can use to maximize their benefits and improve their personal finances. Staying in the Black means having more assets than liabilities and being able to pay off your debt without any problems. Stop living paycheck to paycheck and build a joyful life. Thank you for joining me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Staying in the Black. So last week we spoke about retirement mindset um, and we want to, you know, you got to get in the right mindset for retirement and it takes different phases as you get closer to it. Um, but often the question that I get asked is like, okay, how much money should I have ret- saved by this point? And that number is personal. That's why they call it personal finance. Personal, like finances are personal. And so when you talk about that number, there used to be, you know, you could Google and you might find an article that has a chart that tells you like, oh, people in their 20s should have this much money and people in their 30s should have this much money. And as, you know, personal finance information has grown and people have gotten more into it, they've just kind of come up with like a kind of guide to say like it's individual to you and based on what your salary is this is about the amount that you should have so i'm going to go through how much money you should have saved by age and then i also and these numbers were decided on by fidelity i read several articles about how much money you should have at each age. And they all referred back to Fidelity. So I was just like, okay, what Fidelity saying is Fidelity is saying is, you know, that's the gold standard right now. And it kind of makes sense, but it's kind of scary, especially if you haven't started or if you think that you're behind. And so these numbers are guides they are not written in stone. And if you are not where these numbers are saying you should be, there are things that you can do to catch up on them. Here is the thing that we've been speaking about and will always speak about when it comes to retirement savings. Time is your greatest friend when thinking about preparing for retirement. All it means is that the longer you can invest, the more money you your the more your money can grow. The compound interest part. It doesn't mean that if you haven't started saving by the time you're 35 or 45 or 55 that you can't create a comfortable retirement for yourself. It may mean that you just have to work a little bit longer or you have to adjust the type of lifestyle you want to have in retirement. There's always an option You just have to make it work for you. So here is the fidelity guidelines for what you should be aiming to save in order to prepare for a comfortable retirement. And comfortable retirement basically means that you're living off of 80% of your gross salary 
when you retired, right? So if you were making $100,000 as your top salary going into retirement, theoretically, you're going to want to be able to live off of $80,000 a year because your spending generally decreases when you retire. And why is that? Because you're no longer paying to commute. If you're like me, I would no longer be paying to eat lunch out every day. Commuting, dry cleaning, you know, all those things that are in, that add to the commuting, such as tolls and gas. You're not, you know, buying gifts for coworkers. Just there's just a lot of costs associating with uh, associated with working working that we don't often think about. So that's where those guidelines come from. Now, here we go. You're, you should aim to save one times your salary by the time you're 30 years old. If you're an educator, by 30, like we, our, our salaries are pretty low. So how do you get there? That means initially starting from the time you start working. Many of us start working at 22, 23 years old. And generally what will start you on a good path to doing that is saving 15% of your gross salary. So if you start at 22, 23 years old and you're saving, you're investing, you're not just saving, but you're investing 15% of your gross salary, which means you're pre-tax. So this is money that you're putting into a 403B, a 457, you're putting that 15% in. You have it in a measly standard S&P 500 index account. That is fine. It may not seem like a lot, but putting that little 15% in, the compound interest will allow it to grow. And if you do that starting at 20 223, you'd be surprised you would probably have a year's worth of salary invested for your retirement. And you're going to leave it there. It is not your emergency fund. It is not your, oh my God, I deserve a trip or I deserve a purse, pair of shoes, fun, a trip to the Super Bowl with my boys, fun. It is really about, I have now one times my gross salary invested and growing for my retirement, that is still some 20, 30, in some cases, maybe 40 years away. Because the average American doesn't, you know, retire until they're in their, you know, 67, around 67 or or so. So if you're in education, you're a New York City educator, we're eligible to retire at 55. So you definitely want to make sure that you have that that in there. And we're also fortunate to have a pension. Not a lot of people have pensions nowadays. So the fact that we have access to a pension, that totally impacts how much money we really need to save in order to have a retirement. But let's just say you want to stay with the standard scale. By 30 years old, you should have one time your salary. By 40 years old, you should have three times your salary. And again, this is not money that you're putting in. It is what will accumulate due to compound interest. 
by, by 50 years old, you should have six times your gross salary. And understand, your salary is increasing as you work. You know, you're getting higher paid jobs. You're, if you're on a salary scale, then you're, you know, you, your years of service will also increase the, your base salary. And so likewise, on your investment side, that money is just going to kick in and it's going to start growing. I've said in other episodes that once you get to like $100,000 um, in investment, you will start seeing unbelievable growth because you have so much money in there. You may not have contributed that 100000 and most likely you wouldn't have contributed that $100,000, but that's when I just felt like my money was growing in my 403, my TDA, unbelievably. It was like $100,000. And the next year it was like a hundred and, you know, almost $20,000. And the next year it was like a hundred. And it was like, wow, this money is growing. I felt like in the beginning, it seemed like I was only putting, I was putting pennies in there and I was getting pennies in return. But I woke up one day, it was at $100,000. And once it hit $100,000, I just never looked back. I was like, oh, oh my goodness. So by 30, one time, by 40, three times, by 56 times, by 68 times your salary. And therefore, by the time you hit 67, which is the average retirement age of an American, you would have 10 times your salary in retirement savings. That's unbelievable, but then you're going, because you're going to look at that and you're going to draw it down because you're going to stop working. So that is the standard, I, you know, I would say, don't kill yourself if you're not there. Don't, you know, beat yourself up. Just look at it and say, what is my salary? Where am I here? What do I want to achieve? Am I trying to retire early? Am I an educator who has a pension? Because that pension kind of lowers the amount that you would need in investments because you know that you'll get your pension. Not every teacher's pension system is as good as New York City Public Schools pension system is. And so some people may not feel comfortable with relying on the pension. That happened in the private sector where you know, private companies weren't putting their part into the pension and then retirees find out, found out that the money that they thought they were going to get, they weren't going to get. And this has also happened in, um, or has been threatened to happen in other states. So definitely investigate the viability of your pension system. Is it strong? Is it not? I am a security person, so I always overthink it. And it's important to me to have, to follow these rules in my 403B, even though I know that I will have a pension and the pension system in New York City is pretty strong um, and has stood the test of time. I mean, if you work for New York City Public Schools, you're always like, I wish, you know, we have these different tiers and everybody want, wishes that they were on the tier one plan. Most people who are working currently are either in tier three, four or in tier five, six. And that impacts how much money you're going to get in your pension and retirement. But investing in your TDA will guarantee that you will have additional funds so that if you feel like your pension is not going to be enough for you to live off, investing in your TDA, that would be your investments in trying to hit these goals 
of one times your salary by 30, three times your salary by 40, six times your salary by 50, and eight times your salary by 60. If you make it that far in New York City public school system, you're eligible to retire at 55 if you have the years and the years of service and the age. So what you have in there is great. You you should be comfortable. So how did they get to these numbers? So they are factored in by people saving 15% of their income annually. They start at 25. Most teachers start before then. So if you're going to start at you know, 22, 23, you have even, you know, three years on that, which means you have more opportunity. You have more money in that pot to, to grow. And if you start contributing from the first time you start working, you will be totally set up for success. And I can understand that you also have student loans that you may be repaying while like, oh my God, how am I supposed to pay my student loans and save for retirement? Well, there's a lot going on on student loan repayment right now. However, as a teacher, most of us qualify for a loan forgiveness even before this $10,000 payback. So you can go to your loan uh, office and say, you want to be on a payment, you know, on a salary-based repayment plan until you make your 120 payments and have the rest of your loans forgiven. So the money that you're saving on not paying the highest amount possible on your loan repayment, you can tuck that money away for your retirement savings. And then, you know, you make your 120 payments and your loan is forgiven. It's the one time that it doesn't make sense to accelerate your loan repayments and actually put that money where it can grow and impact your life the the most would be to try and get to that 15% in retirement savings so that you can hit these milestones. And that 15%, depending if you work in a an independent or private school or even a charter school, can include your employees match. So a lot of charter schools don't have a pension, but their charter management organization will match 3%, 6%. So definitely make sure, if nothing else, if your charter management organization or your independent slash private school is giving you matching funds in your 401k or your 403b, you should definitely invest up into that money. If you're they're matching you 6%, you put in 6%, already you're at 12% because you put in six, they're putting in six, that's 12%. So all you would really have to do is put in nine. And if you put in 9%, they put in 6%, you're on track to have one times your salary by the time you are 30 years old. These numbers are also based on the fact that people generally retire at 67. Again, if you're working for New York City Public Schools, you know that you're eligible to retire before 67. So if you follow these rules, you will have more than enough money for retirement because you can retire a whole 12 years earlier than the average American. So you really need to be aware of these benchmarks and 
Use them as a guide. Don't kill yourself. Don't make yourself miserable about them. But it kind of will help you inform how much money you're putting away, which may say like, okay, I'm on track to meeting these numbers so I can splurge over here or invest in a business or myself in a different way because I'm meeting my numbers in my my retirement numbers and what I need to do. So when you look at this guide, again, the things that factor into how much money you should have is really you need to ask yourself these questions. What will my savings cover in retirement? How much do I need to save for retirement? How much should I save each year for retirement? And how can I make my retirement savings last? When you ask those questions and you use this formula, you should be on track. So I will review them one more time so that you are clear. It really just means that you should save 1% of your salary by age 30, three times your salary by age 40, six times your salary by age 50, eight times your salary by age 60, and therefore you would have 10 times your salary by age 67. Again, guidelines, not a perfect science. If you have a pension or other retirement savings options, you may not need to be, you can be possibly a little less aggressive on this end. But again, as I always say, I'm a security person. I'd rather be safe than sorry. And doing this research, I also found what the median retirement savings by age was. And I'm not going to share. I did a whole research and a whole bunch of notes on this. And I didn't want, I chose, I'm choosing not to share. If you want to know, you can definitely Google it. Share those numbers because it's just basically saying the average American is not there. And we don't want to be the average American. We want to be the best Americans when it comes to saving and being able to live the life we want to live in retirement. Two episodes ago, we talked about the work optional life. In order to live a work optional life, we're going to have to go above average. Definitely, and the reason I'm not sharing those numbers is because I don't want you to say like, oh, Ms. Black, you know, you're aggressive or you're a little crazy. I don't even know how you afford to do that. If the average is, you know, average American is here, that's good enough for me. It's not because the average American doesn't have enough money to retire, number one. They don't even have enough money to cover a $400 emergency. So we don't want to be the average American uh, as far as savings, period, savings for retirement, especially it's, yeah, we want to be above average. We're educators. We, we believe in being above average. So thank you for listening to this episode. I will share the, um, the stages in the show notes. And I look forward to speaking to you next week. Remember, stay in the black. 
Thank you for joining us this week at Staying in the Black. Subscribe to make sure you never miss a show and visit our website at stayingintheblk.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at stayingintheblk. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave a review in iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week when...